This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. A little, little bit of a tease. You know, last week, I talked about a couple of mistakes Ooh. in the way of cooking. Well, I totally redeem myself tonight. I totally redeem yourself. That's exactly right. And then... but. It, I kind of needed to because uh, I cooked for my mom and my wife for Mother's Day on Sunday. And yeah, we'll talk about that some too. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else we're talking about? Another basketball transfer. One every week. What? Yep. What? Um, the Womble Indoor Arena set to have its, I was going to say groundbreaking, ribbon cutting event. Yeah, we're, we're way past that. The, the uh, golden shovels have been put away. <laughs> the 13th of May. That's this Thursday. Um, and then I'm late to the party, but we, we haven't discussed it yet. The proposed NCAA basketball rules changes. I want to ask Michael about a couple of those. Well, See yeah. his, uh, his reaction, his thoughts on it. Baseball. We didn't have a weekend series. Um, I lost. The games were taken from Texas Tech stripped from the schedule because of the Rona did end up moving up in the, in the polls still on a weekend yeah. where you didn't play, which was fantastic. Still Every have single some poll, <laughs> still have some work to do. Uh, Keith shared some information about how many games are left on the schedule. You have six games left on the regular season schedule. How many you need to win to secure a top 16. Um, he doesn't think that a top eight is within reach. We'll see. I don't, I don't know how to, cause every time I, I've heard about regionals and host sites, it's changed. Like they haven't settled on it. Um, but that's something you still have to, to figure out You're third in the big 12, 30 and 11, 10 and eight uh, with six games to go. Then just a couple of football news, including some really sad, disappointing, shameful recruiting news. Oh, shameful. For shame. Oh, wow. And then we'll finish up as we always do with what we learned. But until then, until we get there, you can follow us on Twitter at 23 personnel. You can follow me. Punts suck. You can follow me, Spencer at punt suck. Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Also on Instagram. 23 personnel podcast. Um, and as of this evening, Tuesday, May 11th, you can find us on the locker room app is the 
live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, Michael, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. You can even share your own experiences on the app. I jumped on there tonight, Michael. Mm-hmm. Kind of poking around. There were a lot of big NBA game watch parties happening with like dozens of people in it. Uh, then there were a couple of small shows, probably like 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 ours would be. You know, guys ha- hosting the podcast on, on locker room. So you can find anything in between, whether it be live shows or watch parties. We will jump in on that action. We'll definitely let you know when we plan to go live. But for you guys, all you need to do uh, is download the locker room app. It is now on both major carriers, Apple can and confirm. Google. Can confirm. Downloaded it this evening and haven't got a chance to mess around with it yet, but I am on the Android train and it is on Google Play. There's a beta version of the app mm-hmm. available. It looks like it may have been released yesterday, the 10th. Yes, Brand new. The press. Create your profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow us. Uh, you can probably type my name in Spencer Rogers or 23 Personnel Podcast. Uh, and then you can be notified when we go live. And if that is not enough listening for you on top of this podcast that you're listening to now, which we appreciate you doing, there's another podcast you should check out. Sports, culture, takes take line has it all take line is a weekly podcast hosted by emmy winner jason concepcion and former wnba champ renee montgomery it's a fast-paced exploration of the nba and world of sports and culture each week jason and renee talk about the games players controversies and issues that run both on and off the court follow now to hear take line every tuesday wherever you get your pods that's take line wherever you get your pods with that, Michael, let's yes. talk some hoops. Do it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And it is stopped back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top of Bonnick and a ground strip by Owens. Moretti on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Colbert. Evans. Yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover in the line. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Carmen Edwards. Ready, double into three. Good. Who puts it down? Ready. Odiasi. Throw bars it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Right. Talking about that Final Four club, those hailing from the 806. Mark Adams and the Red Raiders have added another transfer. This one, this time, Louisiana transfer, Malik Williams, sophomore guard, heading to Lubbock in Texas Tech. A raging Cajun is on his way. Uh, you know, he's, if, if you look at his stats, there's going to be some stuff that's not going to sound great. There's going to be stuff that sounds good. 
But as we know, despite how much we love stats, because Spencer, you and I, I think we do. I, I think we could talk numbers way more than people care to listen to, but oh well. Yeah, we could. Here's some numbers for some people. Uh, good news. Williams averaged 44% from the field, basically. Uh, he started every single game, averaging about 34 minutes a game. Only about 13 points per game, though, so not just a ton of point production there. Somehow, at 6 The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three, almost six rebounds a game. Uh, 73% free throw percentage could do better there. But the the kind of glaring issue is three-point percentage. 25%. Not going to be someone who's, who's going to be hitting the three for you. Um, but I think what he provides is a lot more than just offense. I think he has a lot of defensive talent. He's averaging three assists per game as well, two steals per game. I think he's he's someone that can really um, you know affect the game in other ways that you may not necessarily see on the stat sheet. Yeah. Um, you know, at 6'3", 175, he's not going to blow you away with the size. You did point out the nearly six rebounds a game. Um, you know, I, that's good. That like, I, I don't have anything else to add that the 25% from threes, like, ugh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't right. like that. Uh, 73% from free throw feels a little bit low. 44% from the field feels a little low for a guard, but I mean, maybe this is going to be one of those guys. that's going to be your on ball defender. Yeah, Maybe he's going to be Havoc creator. Right. And we were going to, you know, mention just a little bit. Talvin Hester was finally available this week for uh, for the media. And Talvin Hester was very, very instrumental in in bringing Wilson here. Uh, you know, Williams. he coached against Wilson the previous two seasons. Red Raider Sports' Ben Golan reported that, you know, as as soon as... Williams or sorry, Wilson hit the portal. Hester hit him up. And so that he had, he said that he was, uh, he came from Louisiana tech and he'd been watching him since he was in high school. And so that was a heads up deal on Hester. He knew exact, he knew this guy and he wanted him the second he became available. And, and now that he's here and if we assume that Shannon and McClung still go to the NBA, which is 
you know, it's def- definitely Shannon. I think that leaves nine scholarships, not leaves, that uh, takes up nine scholarships, assuming that Ethan Duncan and Avery Benson, of course, will be walk-ons this year. So there's still room to get some big guys because I feel like we say it every week, every week that we see these new players come through. They're, they're exciting. There's a lot of upside to the players coming through. But the tallest guy on the team is Agbo and Silva, and they're both 6'7". And have you seen UT? I don't want to talk about UT and their roster. <laughs> um, but just saying that your tallest player is 6'7", uh, is enough to give give me a little anxiety. So, yeah, uh, you do have four, you know, up to four possible roster spots available for some tall individuals and some depth in the front court. Just hope that Adams and team are able to find the guys that they want, bring them in. I, I don't have any doubts on that, but the the other thing that I'm just going to mention briefly because it's still kind of rumor-ish is that Chandler Jacobs may not be coming to Texas Tech. Yes, so I've Dallas seen that Baptist floating around. Transfer that had um, just some stupid good stats uh, across the board. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, that's kind of being reported out as, as a possibility that he may not make it. Uh, and that it would be his decision, not like Texas Tech saying, oh, you're not going to make it or when he space for somebody else. No, I think it's from what I've seen, this would be a Jacob's decision to look elsewhere. Right. Which seems really early to make this decision. So hopefully <laughs> he's not even here yet. Right. Hopefully we're misinformed. Hopefully that, um, you know, if, if he's considering that, maybe he'll reconsider and still come to to tech and that'll be a, a good place for him. But it, it's just so early in this in this process, it's it's May to to determine whether or not you're a bad fit or or the playing it playing time won't be acceptable or or whatever the case may be. So hopefully that's just kind of conjecture, but just something to keep an eye out for in case he does change his mind that you won't you won't be too shocked. And if he does change his mind, be nice. Be nice on Twitter, people. No, that's, that's ridiculous. Fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> Let the kid change his mind. <laughs> to, to, just the one of those points you, you just mentioned. I mean, we haven't seen Mark Adams and Peary and Williams and Hester coach a minute yet. We don't know Correct. what the playing time is going to look like, what the scheme is going to look like. We have ideas and they've told us like, this is what we want to do. But that doesn't mean like, Oh, you know, if, uh, if McClung stays, he's only going to play four or five minutes a game. No, I just like it. You're going to come in and you're going to find your role and move on from there. But like, so that, that that's where it doesn't make any sense for me for somebody to be looking, you know, without having stepped on campus yet, um, looking elsewhere. So we, we mentioned the top of the show, the Womble set to have the ribbon cutting event Thursday, May 13th at 4 p.m. Michael, you skipping off work to go, go to this? I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make it, uh, <laughs> which is interesting because you have to RSVP and let them know you're coming. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you could still do that, even though we're recording Tuesday night, obviously, like we usually do. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, 
RSVP to the school to say that you want to go to the the ribbon cutting ceremony, which I which does include a tour. Uh, you can RSVP at 806-742-0479. Or, you can also email, yeah. Yeah, TTUS. Does that sound right? That's what it looks Is that a like. Typo? TTUS dot events at ttu.edu. Yes. So you can do either of those two things. Parking is available north of the USA. <laughs> Sounds like, I mean, that would be a fun Canada? thing to do. I just would would not be able to do it, but it's yes, tours and refreshment following. So get on that list, people get on the list. So the bouncer doesn't kick you out when you show up. Yeah. So Samantha's going out of town. She's actually flying out Thursday morning. She's taking the baby, but I I will be bachelor single batting it for about a week. Oh, wow. With, uh, the, the eldest, we wouldn't be able to make a four o'clock though. He gets out of school at three 30 and we're at 130th university. (laughs) <laughs> be quite a hike and he would be bored out of his mind. All right. The important part, not the important part, the, the most interesting part of all of our basketball segment here, besides talking about a new player, cause that's always exciting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually almost a month ago now it was, there were a handful of possible rule changes that would be voted on this summer to be put in effect as early as this fall. Um, Michael, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to read all of them cause there's a bunch. I'm going to read yeah. a handful of them to you and I want to get your thoughts. Okay. Widening the lane to 16 feet. It, what? Why? What is it currently? Yeah. It's 15 foot for a free throw, right? So there's no way. Do they mean widen or lengthen? No, no. I, I, I think it's widen. So like, it's gonna be like a big square almost. Is like it a 15 by 16 rectangle? <laughs> Let me see. I should have had this up ready to go. Cause he's basketball lane. Yeah. The dimensions are throwing me off. Yeah. So they would, they would widen it to 16 feet. It is currently. Oh, there's a picture of it. Come on. Let me see it. <laughs> People are dying to know Spencer. What is it? He's, he's, it's 12, he's looking, feet. It's 12 feet. It's 12 feet. They'd add two feet to each side. You know, that I don't care for because especially if they start, if they still call the, they don't wait. Do they don't do this in basketball? Do they? they oh, do they what? do three seconds. They do three seconds Yeah, for offense. That's just such a dumb call anyway. I hate, yeah, I've he, always hated the three seconds. I thought that was always the dumbest thing. And then three seconds on defense is even dumber. Yeah. I, I, after, I have to look into some, like what would change by widening the lane. And, and I, I don't know all of the, the super technical rule. Cause like, it, it feels like watching Texas tech basketball, like you see only a handful of possible things happening in the lane. Sure. You need a block charge. Um, and that, you know, I, I would assume the restricted circle would also widen with that. So maybe you get more, um, you know, I would assume you'd get more blocking calls with yeah. defenders on the enlarged, 
circle, but pass out. I guess like, I don't know, man. I, I could see it, may, like it being a little bit uh, for free throws, maybe a little bit more realistic because instead of just being jammed that close to the lane, that's to try idea. to rebound a free throw. I guess that could be part of it, but maybe they could just draw another box and then that's just what they line up for the free throws. And then based on the yeah, inside if, of the lane. Instead of the if, outside. if some, yeah, if, if, Marcus Santos Silva has to jump in and out of a freaking 16 foot lane to not get a three second violation. I am, I am going to be incensed. Yeah. This I don't is know, dumb. Um, allow laptops, tablets, or similar devices in the bench area for coaching purposes. Did not know this was not allowed. Um, and am unsure why. Yeah. It, it feels very much like you see other, programs or sports. Uh, I think college football, you can do it. You can definitely do it in in the NFL. Like you look over on the sideline, you've got entire uh, offenses or defenses huddled around a coach that's showing them plays or whatever diagrams on some kind of tablet device, iPad, more specifically the Microsoft surface, because that's who sponsors all that crap. But like, I mean, I don't know what you could pull up in real time for basketball because it is so like it's you don't have a very well-defined you're on offense for a certain number of minutes. So you've got some downtime with the defense. Like it's back and forth so quickly. Um, now maybe like when guys come off, you can like, Hey, uh, you know, Santo Silva is coming off for a breather. Okay. So here's what we've noticed. Here's some trends and whatever we're noticing. I don't know, man, because I, I know that the coaching staffs get printed off stat sheets during breaks and timeouts. Right. That's what I was going with. I thought, well, maybe if they want really second to second stat broadcast or something to where they can keep track of the rebounds right now, but they not have like, to wait for the print off. But thinking about playing in the, in the United Supermarkets Arena, that information is available not only on the big scoreboard in the middle of the arena, but in every corner up. So like it would be inconvenient to, to try to have to like figure out which scoreboard you have the best angle on and like, okay, um, actually Sento Silva's not on the court right now. So his stats aren't being shown, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I like it. I don't know why it hasn't. And I don't think it's going to create any kind of unfair advantage or I, I don't see how you could take advantage of this and make it malicious. I don't either. And I like it. Do, do the guys, cause I know they started wearing those monitors. I believe it was this past season. Do they wear them during games? Maybe that's something that, you know, the strength coach could even talk with them about, or maybe there's some data there that is processed in real time that could be useful for the player during the game. But I, I'm with you. Um, I'm everyone will have the same advantage or disadvantage, whatever you want to call it. So no big deal to me. I just, I guess I never realized that they weren't there. I just, I I knew that the head coaches weren't walking around with tablets or something. And the, you know, most of the assistants weren't, but I thought there might be some guys crunching something back there. And I never even thought twice about it. Okay. So this one's gonna be tricky. Adopt a modified six foul rule with the following provisions. Yeah, this one made my brain hurt. The biggest thing is it would, it would, yes, you would, a player could be allowed to commit up to six fouls per game, but it would be limited to four 
per half, which is yes. the part I don't like. So Agreed. for instance, if you come in at halftime with one foul or zero fouls, you can only then commit four fouls in the second half. So like you're either just as limited or even more limited than you were before the rule change, even though this is allowing more you, you it's allowing you to pick up more personal fouls. You're still limited to the two technical fouls. Um, that would be, you know, adding up to the six, but I, I don't like this one. I, it, like I said, I, it does allow for one more foul, but like the specificity is like, well, actually he had, he only had one first half foul. So he can only do four in the second half or if he hits four in the first half, which is unusual in today's game that a coach would allow a player to pick up four fouls in the first half. But if that were to happen, like he's then done for the game, like he's not coming back. Yeah. He's out the entire second half. I, I don't like this. It's either. not like I, I'm going to try to squeeze in a few minutes there at the end of the game and just hope like just ride it out and see how long we can go. No, he's done. So I don't like it. No. And I think I could live with the additional foul just in general, but not with yeah. stipulations on it. Award possession of the ball to the defense when they create a held ball situation. So this would take away the possession arrow and give it to the defense every time they get a love it jump ball. I love it. I think that's great. And I think that's going to work to tech's advantage big time. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. I, I never understood the alternating arrow. Um, and I, I get, there was some kind of strategy and, and, and tactics involved with like, well, it's better to, to get the possession arrow back to the other team. Like, so we can get it next. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, it, I like it. I don't know why the, the possession arrow was alternating. So I think it was just to keep it from, to keep the game moving. Cause in the NBA, they jump. If, if there's a tie ball, they jump it. And the two guys that tied up jump it. And so it's really interesting to see Chris Paul jump against, you know, I don't know. I can't think of any player right now. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Limit the, it, you know, it, that, that kind of introduces that funky thing, but it doesn't happen as much in the NBA. And so it, I, I'm sure in, in high school, it's the same way. It's a good old possession arrow. And I'm probably, it's just to keep the game moving. Because if you stop yeah. and have a jump ball every time, that's going to slow the game down a lot. And I'm okay with this aspect of it because a lot of times offenses just kind of let the jump ball happen. They don't really care. If the possession time, arrow is in their favor. Yeah. Like, uh-uh, no, <laughs> you're not, you're not tying this up. I'm not, that means you get it. So yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Um, limit the number of timeouts that a team may call in the last two minutes of the second period or any overtime period to two. I don't have a big deal. I don't, I, it doesn't seem like there's as many timeouts in college basketball as I feel like there's seven or something in, in the NBA. It's nuts. How many timeouts they get in a half. I, I, I've never thought the timeouts slowed it down as much because it's, it seems like a lot of times you look up and you don't have any left anyway. Or beard was doing that a lot. You know, he'd, he'd burn his last time out with a minute left and then, whatever happened happened or he'd have one and not use it. So it was just kind of, it's not something that I have a strong opinion on either way. What about you? Um, 
because we haven't seen it at Texas Tech a whole lot, I, I don't think it would affect or it would have historically affected how re- the Red Raiders would have played. Um, I, I, I get that there's a lot of like very specific situational things that need to happen for teams to make comebacks or hold leads or whatever. Um, but also I feel like that should be handled like in the teaching of the game. Like, Hey guys, if we're up by five with two minutes to go and like, here's what we're going to do Mm -hmm. on a make, we're going to do this or whatever. I don't know. Like, or maybe it just puts more emphasis. Like if you're going to take a timeout, like be ready for several possessions down the road. So you don't have to keep calling timeouts. It's also just another crunch time thing to add to the ref's plates to keep up with. So I, I don't actually, I've kind of gone back on it. I don't like it. I, I don't see an issue with how it's, you know, how, how they're using timeouts right now. Anyway, I don't see it as a, yeah. Cause I guess as it's, as it's slowing down the game to the point where you just can't watch it anymore. The ref, like the that. ref would have to be aware. Like okay, Texas tech has already taken two timeouts in the last two minutes. Even if somebody calls for a timeout, like we can't honor it. They have yeah. to be aware of that. <laughs> Or do they get a technical? I mean, if they, if someone calls a timeout and they don't have one, they've already burned them. Does that, you know, all that kind of stuff opens up too. So there's a shot clock violation one that would allow instant replay only if the shot is unsuccessful. I don't know why, why this isn't already a reviewable play. Why they can't look at a shot clock violation. I don't know why that's not either. I I think they get it right most of the time, so that may be part of it. But eliminate the ten second backcourt rule. This I do not like. I don't because Gary's going to run a full court press. What's yeah. the point? Yeah, you need to you need to create some some kind of uh, anxiety on the offense. Like, okay, I I can't just sit back here and use up all of the the the, the shot clock. Yes. But on the other to, hand, you need to coax him into making a bad pass, a bad decision or something. So I, I don't like this one at all, but you could in theory, then set up a more stringent backcourt defense and try to trap them back there and force them to take more of their shot clock. It's like, then they, then they're gonna have to hurry over a much larger part of the court. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. say they, they try to take up 18 seconds back there. <laughs> okay, but now you've got 10 seconds or whatever to get 60 feet up court and find a shot on a team that's been suffocating you de- defensively. So I, I don't, I don't like it because I, I, I think there, there is that excitement of that countdown. Like you've, you've got a team that's struggling. Like you, you can see their anxiety level going up. Like, Oh my gosh, I, I have to get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they make mistakes and then you can force mistakes. But also, like, if you allow the offense to sit back there, like, then they're wasting their own time to get the ball up a much larger area of the court. So, I don't know. Um, allow instant replay on all basket interference and goaltending calls throughout the game, but only when a call has been made by an official. Totally cool with this. Totally See, cool with this. I because I don't like the I don't like the the qualifier there at the end. Like the ref has to call goaltending or interference and then they have to go either. Then they're going to go review it to either confirm or overturn it. 
well, there might be another ref on the crew that says, I don't know about that. And then it, that may be all it takes. But this kind of t- ties into, I don't mean to jump ahead, but the other one kind of related is they want to eliminate the offensive basket interference after the ball hits the ring or flange, which would make the rule consistent with the FIBA rule, which I hate basket interference stuff. Is this when like an offensive player would be hanging on the rim? No, I don't think so. It's it's like when an offensive player, the ball's in the cylinder. That's how I read it. You mm-hmm. know, when the ball's in the cylinder and the offensive player tips it in or somebody tips it, then there's interference and all that kind of stuff. I figure if you're playing above the rim, and, and a, they guys have been for years, they should be able to play above the rim yeah. to an extent, you know, to where it's it's not detrimental to your team to be up there and then you you hit a ball or something accidentally and then oh well it was going in but now it's not or it was it doesn't count now or or whatever i I don't like those so i I like that you know with the interference or the goaltending calls that they those at least can be reviewed now and then um, offensive basket interference is no longer a, a thing as long as it hits the rim which seems fair so the last three, I think whether or not they're, they're going to be passed or whatever, maybe the most controversial. Maybe, okay. Well, hold on. The last two that we'll talk about, we'll, we'll, we'll go to this eliminate the five second closely guarded rule. I don't like it because again, as a team that's defensively minded, um, Like I, I, I feel like that would take away from Texas tech and what they've been able to do when you get up on a, on a player, you force them to move and move the ball around and all that kind of like when you engage them defensively, you start that clock. So mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. And that is truly a selfish reason yeah. because of the philosophy that tech is probably still going to have under Adams. All right. So, permit a team to decline free throws in the last two minutes of the last period or any overtime period and elect possession of the ball for throw in instead. I think, I don't know why anyone would do this because it would allow more time to come off the clock. If you have the oh, ball sure. offensively, but then defense like would then just try to foul you again and again and again. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, of course they could. They sure could. But the thing is, is like they can, the the defense would still have a higher percent chance to get you to turn the ball over every time that you wanted to take the ball back in from out of bounds than it would if you were to elect to shoot free throws um, because you're not guaranteed points. Like even if you're shooting free throws, you know that, you know, you, you can get up to two points but you're probably not going to get the ball back. So oh, something else we didn't mention previously, I think the fouls team fouls are going to reset every 10 minutes and they're doing away with the one and ones. But once you get to five fouls, it's it's automatic double bonus. So no more one and ones, which is interesting. So five fouls every 10 minutes. I think so. I think that was the way I read that. But but yeah, Which would be I, so strange. Like you, you, you get a team to pick up their fifth foul 11 minutes to go. And you're like, all right, we're shooting free throws the rest of the way. And you're like, mm, you're shooting free throws for a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. 
I skipped that one. So what do you think about the de- allowing them to decline free throws? It's an interesting strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. But <laughs> I really don't know what... Uh, I guess if you're down by three and there's two seconds left or something, you might decline the free throw to try to get a set play on a on the baseline or wherever they're going to give you the ball. I'm not sure where they're going to give you the ball. It doesn't say, does it? Uh, either way, you could possibly run a set play and try to get an open three and get get an open look. I guess that, that's... That's kind of a fun thought. Or if they foul a guy who's terrible at free throws, well, yeah. let's not put him on the line. Let's yeah, throw the ball in. Uh, and just see what happens. Or like you said, you don't want to... If you if you're intentionally fouling and the other team just keeps doing that, then that's kind of frustrating. But then you have a chance, like you you also said earlier, is you're not guaranteed points with a free throw anyway. But it sure is harder to probably drain a three than to make two free throws in most instances. So I I don't know how coaches would use it, and I don't think it's something the game necessarily needs, but it intrigues me. I will say that I I hadn't considered the, the part where the team that's being fouled is the team that's down. Cause that's been, um, a lightly used strategy. It's like if you're down three, four five points, sure. That the defense is like, no, we'll make them shoot free throws so they can only get one or two points. So we can still, when we get possession back, we'll still have the lead. When it's like a three-point lead, like, shoot, well, they could go tie it or or take the lead or whatever. I hadn't mm-hmm. considered that part of it. Or, and I, I do kind of like, like, you know, you've got the ball coming up court and it's not your best free throw shooter and he gets fouled. You're like, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll take inbounds. In. Let's just throw and it we'll, in, guys. And we'll get our, our, our better free throw shooter to be the one to, to, to catch the inbounds. The last one adjust traveling rule to allow a player to take two steps after lifting his pivot foot, which would make moves such as a spin move, Euro step and step back shot legal. I think that's just, they're allowing that now anyway, aren't they? Which is where it's confusing. Like, well, what's the different? Like, are you saying that you weren't enforcing this before? That's how I read it. I think it's basically just, okay, we're, we've given up on enforcing this. We might as well just, word it somehow to where people aren't like, well, they just, they just travel, you know, the refs just let, just let them travel. All these players travel every possession, you know, all that stuff you hear all the time. So it's just not, not something they'd have to worry about anymore because, well, no, technically that's not a travel. Everything's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. So that was a lot of time spent on basketball rule changes. It wouldn't. I know, but they were interesting. Now, not all of them are, are considered even likely to be passed. Uh, and I think the vote is early June. Um, and then it would go possibly into, um, into effect in the fall. I, I do know one of them. I, I, I had it in the notes. One of them is going to actually be tested in the NIT tournament next season. It may be the six foul um, rule change that will be tested first in the NIT tournament next year. But yeah, those are like, like you said, interesting. It would, 
I don't know. I, it feels like whenever they make rule changes, it takes me forever to catch on and get comfortable. Like, okay, now I know what, like, what was one of the, the big rule changes recently the past few years? It was, um, it was a block charge, right? Like you, like it used to be, you had to have a set, you had to be set, uh, and you couldn't move your feet. You couldn't take, take a step if you're going to take a charge. Um, and then it was a little more defensive friendly where we saw that the previous coach, like you just have to have an established defensive position. doesn't mean you're, you're set there with the wall. Um, and Texas tech was able to take advantage of that. That took oh, a sure. while to, 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 to catch on. Like, okay, what's the difference? And you still get people saying like Jay Billis this year when he was all B and Ming about Texas tech playing defense in the way that he didn't think was a good way to play defense. Um, you know, forcing the offensive player to, to run you over and trying to induce a charge call. Um, yeah, I just, it would take a long time to get some of these where you feel, okay, you got to keep up with the number of fouls per half or per 10 minute segment of the game and why we're not playing quarters, which is not listed in this rule change where every other league and division of basketball plays quarters. I don't Well, the, I think the cylinder, the, the personal cylinder was something that took me a while to get used to. And I still yeah, find it odd. Get- and then I think the step back threes that it, that never, you know, we didn't see that called very much this year, but maybe it's just because players really were coached and didn't do it as much as I thought, as I thought they would, because it, it maybe just was never as prevalent in, in college as much as pros. I mean, it seems Not, like in pros all the time you see it. It's James Harden. College, <laughs> That's all yeah. he does is like that little shimmy jump back and you're like, well, how many steps was that? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was one that I expected. Oh man, that's going to affect so much this year and nothing really happened. And probably the, this, the personal cylinder one is the one that's still yeah. the first couple of years they had it. I just kept thinking, this is so weird. <laughs> so we be interesting to keep up with that over the summer uh, and see what, if any of these rules come into play in 2021, 2020, 2022. Let's, uh, let's talk a little baseball, Michael. Let's go. Left field, well struck. Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run. And he's got it into his own bullpen. Perhaps he some time because all the teams are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat. That strikeout of Simpson to end the Super Regionals a couple of years ago, it's a thing of beauty. Because uh, 
Oh, I'm blanking on his name. It's not McMillan, and it wasn't it wasn't Connor Queen. I I don't think it was I a can closer. Help you here, man. Oh, I'm gonna I, this. I'm uh, frustrated. I even brought it up. I can't remember his name. <laughs> like challenged him, went after him with the high fastball. You knew Colin wanted to hit it. Went up for it and completely whiffed. Uh, and this is after he had he had a deep deep sack fly and crushed a home run off McMillan an inning or two earlier. Had enough guys on base that would have tied or taken the lead there in the ninth. And uh, he's like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you with this high fastball. And you're not going to touch it. Um, so we mentioned at the top of the show, the University of Illinois Chicago series this weekend was canceled. Uh, you did not play your four games, but you still moved up in every single ranking, which I'm okay with. D1 Baseball has you at seven. Baseball America, seven. National College Baseball Writers Association has you at seven. Collegiate Baseball at seven. AP Baseball Coaches Poll at seven. Your RPI went up to nine. Look at that. You didn't even play a game. It went up to nine. Everything. Every single thing went up. Well, I guess you still Unreal. played. Um, you had that midweek. Yeah, but that was Tuesday. Against Oklahoma. And all this stuff came out yesterday. So yeah, like it, it, it would have yeah, captured, I, I it would have captured OU count. on there. That would have counted. You're right. You played one game and it was a heck of a game where you beat OU and neutral site by 10. And I'm seeing because of the atmosphere at that game, um, that may be more of a normal, regular thing where you get Texas Tech playing a game or a, a series up in Amarillo to Hodgetown. Saw a lot of great, a lot of great uh, comments about that. You know, a lot of them from Haxton, especially, and people that were actually there and just really enjoyed the atmosphere and the ballpark itself and the location. And it just, like you said, it, it may be the beginning of a non-con uh, series. Yeah, which I would be okay with because uh, playing in a, in a minor league park is is pretty cool. You Obviously, you got a lot of fan support up there. Not too far away if, you, um, if you're able to talk into some kind of big name program to, to come out and play you there, um, that you can go up. And I mean, you'd have to make a day of it, but go up there, watch the game. Sure, yeah. Uh, that game, like we said, it was, we talked about at the end of our show last time. Texas Tech defeated OU 14 to four behind quite some pretty hot bats. You scored four in the first, four in the third, five in the fifth, one in the sixth. Um, Stillwell had a couple of home runs, um, but you were just, you really needed to get that, that series in this weekend. You would have played four games, which is what UIC has played all, all year. Um, and without those games, uh, Keith pointed out, yeah, now you're kind of pushed up against the, the limit of how, how many games you have left and how many games you need to win to secure a top 16 spot. Um, what I saw, what, what Keith shared is you need to win four of your six. That seems doable. You basically win both series. You need to win both series. Um, you've got Oklahoma on the road this weekend. Oklahoma has, I mean, outside of the, the, Tuesday game last week has been a really good offensive team, uh, mm -hmm. but not so good defensively. Kansas, um, I mean, 
they're not they're not Kansas basketball. They're not as bad, uh, you know, in, in baseball as they are in football, but still you would think you've got a pretty good shot to win that series, if not sweep it here at home uh, to wrap up the season. Yeah, Kansas is sitting at... They're ninth in the conference. In, yeah, they're eighth in batting percentage and they're ninth in uh, ERA allowed by pitching. So it's... Not great. Not a strong offense or defense. They're five and thirteen in the Big Twelve, twenty-six and twenty-three overall. Um they've won their last game. I can tell you that. Texas Tech is third in the Big Twelve behind Texas at fifteen and six, and TCU at sixteen and five. Baylor's right behind you at fourth at nine and nine. Oklahoma State ten and eleven. So winning those four games, um, should solidify you in third place. Uh, you'd have to win all six games and then hope Texas and TCU lose out, which is unlikely to yeah. jump either one of those or take the lead for the regular se- regular season conference title. Um, I'm okay with not winning the regular season title. It, it's kind of old hat now. <laughs> I don't want to say <laughs> I don't want to take that for granted, but um. I just, I just wish, and this is not like a great year to do it because of all the injuries. I just wish you could do much better in the Big 12 tournament. I want to see Texas Tech do well in the tournament, and they historically haven't. We've, we say that for not just baseball, too. We, we say <laughs> that for basketball. <laughs> yeah. Just, just make, make a little wave. Uh, at least get out of the first round. That would be, that would be kind of nice. And they did uh, a couple of years ago. They, 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 um, they went deeper than they had in, in recent memory. But before we talk about the Oklahoma series this weekend, guys, I need to let you know this week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. My poor Dallas Stars were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs or they're eliminated from making it. But oh, it's a shame. My Mavericks, though, holding strong in that fifth place, baby. Don't have to to worry about those play-in games. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC or MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, everyone, we know that you work hard and play hard, so you should treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit kansascitysteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's SD for sports drink. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash-frozen and delivered directly to your home, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse-quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender... Oh, Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> that's a tongue twister for me. Your mouth is try watering. Their, you can't get it out. I know. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh, try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas city strips, juicy steak burgers, 
All beef jumbo hot dogs and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD, KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD. Spencer, I cooked one of their steaks tonight. I ordered them last week. Ooh, how'd it go? It was delicious. What'd you I, get? I got one of the strips. I, the package I got had a, it was a, it was a mix, mix package or a sampler. So I got two fillets, two strips and two ribeyes. Mm. And the strips were um, 12 ounce and right at an inch thick. Okay. And, and the, my wife and I actually split one of those tonight. I'd, I have to brag on myself. I cooked it at a perfect medium rare. Use their steak seasoning, which they included in the box. I didn't ask them for it. They just threw it in there. Really nice steak seasoning. Seemed like it had a lot of, uh, not a lot, but, you know, a good amount of garlic powder and black pepper and all sorts of good stuff. So anyway, I'm a big very fan pleased of, so far with the purchase. Yeah. I, I'm a big, speaking of steak seasoning really quickly before we move on, I'm a big fan of Red Raider meat steak seasoning. Oh, me too. Good yes. Stuff. I keep, I keep that in the pantry, that and, um, <laughs> good old Montreal steak seasoning. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. 
Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, so the next baseball series we have on tap is this weekend we set at Oklahoma. They are 24 and 22, 8 and 10 in the Big 12, good for fifth. Reminder, you are third. Um, The sucky part about this, Michael? Hmm. Just like UT, this series is on a sports network, which we don't get. Soonersports.tv. Pay-per-view. You, you can sign up for a month and send 10 bucks to, to Norman. That's not great. That's better than, what was it? There was some random game. There was the flow game. sport stuff. I thought it was up on... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going off uh, on a tangent here. I think last, this past season, there was a football game or the season before OU versus Kansas or somebody. And I think the only way to watch it was on Soonersports.tv. And I think you had to drop 40 bucks. No, I, I, was, I don't think it was, it was um, weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a conference game. I think it was like one of their non-conference games. Like they were making oh. you pay a, a whole bunch of money to watch Oklahoma destroy like Missouri state. Okay. That's probably what it was. And it was like, if I remember, it was like $65. Yes. That it point, was, you just go to it was basically like a pay-per-view fight. Yeah. <laughs> but the game, if you're going to, if you're going to write that up uh, and send 10 bucks and get your sooner sports TV membership subscription, Friday night, six 30 Saturday afternoon at two Sunday afternoon at two. Um, or just tune in to Jeff and Jamie on the Texas tech sports network. Listen to them call the game. You can't watch it, but you can, Listen, their call, their call. Um, I did see that Jeff, uh, or at least somebody made a shirt with the Jeff's likeness. It said, my hand hurts so bad right now. Yes. <laughs> From he's, he, and he's all about it. He's, yeah. I know that he's involved directly, which is good because I, I never liked when people would take his sayings or something that he did and then make money off of it without him being a part of it. <laughs> so yeah. at least I know that he's wearing them and, and I think he's selling them some himself. So hopefully he's getting a little piece of that action. Yeah. Hope so. And then you return home to conclude your regular season, the 20th through the 22nd, which I believe is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Yes, which it is. 
limits any possibility of getting an additional game in on the midweek. I know that was something they were working on to try to replace UIC last minute. And they're like, well, maybe we can get a, a midweek game in, but with the series starting on Thursday, really, I mean, you may be able to get one game in um, and it's going to be hard to find a team that's like, Hey, come play us for one game. But Regular season concludes next weekend, 20th through the 22nd, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This weekend, though, Oklahoma Sooners, the offensive stats, they have a slight lead over you in terms of batting average, 292 to your 280. Um, they have just a, a few more doubles than you do. They have had fewer strikeouts and a few more stolen bases, but you lead in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, triples, home runs, runs per game, and walks earned. Defensively, um, you lead in every category except for strikeouts and strikeouts per nine inning from your pitching staff. You lead in ERA, opponent's batting average, hits surrendered, runs given up, walks surrendered, home runs, and fielding percentage. Like I said, defensively, they just haven't been a great team. Um, strikeouts per nine help kind of offset a little bit of that, but that's not everything. Uh, when you're giving up 57 home runs on the season, Texas Tech has given up 37. Do you think that, and what's great about that 57, four of them were to, to Tech. Um, do you think that it's better or worse. The chances of a sweep are better or worse having already played OU once this year. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm thinking tech sh- should and will win this series, but I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm thinking that they would have a better chance sweeping them if they hadn't played them a few weeks ago. I think that's where I was going to lean. I think, They've got a, they've got a preview. Now, granted, it was not of your weekend starting pitching. Well, yeah, there were 12 pitchers that pitched that night for both teams. I yeah. mean, it, I think it was six and six or something, or maybe seven and seven. I can't remember. Yeah, they were, seven they were five. just trying. They were just yeah. having fun. Um, But I mean, I still like your chances and a, a sweep would go a long way in helping you, you move up a little bit. Uh, at least create some room between you and Baylor. I'd hate for you to get, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, win four games, then Baylor comes out of nowhere and jumps you because they swept their last two series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the the schedule sets up for you to win four of these last six uh, and, and kind of hold out your arm and stiff arm Baylor a little bit because they need to win. At that point, they would need to win six games to pass you. Cause they're one game behind you. Um, but yeah, I, I think having already seen them, uh, it's, un, it's less likely that you'll, you'll get a sweep than it would have been had you not played them. Right. Okay. Put it that way. Um, let's wrap up baseball. Interesting stats. I was going to update the, the, the pitching stats here, but with Monteverdi not playing this weekend, <laughs> it actually took me a while to, to figure this out. Nothing actually changed. You did yeah. drop in <laughs> number of runs, but of course that's based on that's it's based on total runs on the season. Some of the teams ahead of you had played 47, 50 games and you've played 42. 
Um, but you're 22nd in the country, which is not bad. You slipped a little bit, but you lost out on four games this weekend and you haven't played as many midweek games this year. Uh, you're still fourth in the big 12 uh, behind TCU, UT and Oklahoma. Like I said, they are an offensive team. Um, eighth in the country and walks second in the big 12. You're 14th in on base percentage. Uh, you slipped a little bit to 11th in home runs. Jace Young slipped to sixth. Again, because he missed out on four opportunities to add to it as 16. I think the leader in the country has 20. So it's not like he's far off. Um, and he could scratch his way back into that conversation. But that uh, that two-week slump there where he didn't hit a home run and then losing the, a long weekend series doesn't help. So Redders travel up to Norman, take on Oklahoma. 6.30, 2 p.m. and 2 p.m. this weekend on Soonersports.tv. Michael, you ready to talk a little football? Yeah, just a little, just a little bit. Let's do it. something I, I hear differently every time I listen to that play. Okay. What is it? This time it was how hoarse Brian Jensen was at that point in the game. Like he had already <laughs> exerted his voice so much that he was losing his voice. And it was, I mean, obviously the, the last few seconds of the game, but with the excitement of everything that had gone on leading up to it. I never knew if it was his voice or if the mic just distorted so much because of, <laughs> because of him screaming. No, no, it sounded like like legit. Sounded like his he was starting to lose his voice there at the end. All right, so playoff discussion has come up again, possibly expanding the number of teams in the playoff. Probably not going to affect us. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not going to affect Texas Tech directly anytime soon, but. Uh, it seems like there's kind of some smoke there. There's Seth posted on the, you know, a few days ago that sports illustrated's Ross Dellinger wrote about the 27 month process of possible playoff expansion, uh, including maybe home and homes. Uh, you know, someone brought up the example of how would you like to see Alabama travel to Ohio state for a playoff game or Clemson host Oklahoma. And, and right there they summed up the, entire freaking problem is those are the only four teams that have been (laughs) in the damn thing since we started. So that was kind of fun that they used those as examples, but uh, it seems like there's a really good chance that six, eight, someone mentioned 12 during that article. One of the commissioners Uh, 12 seems like way too much for me, but 
I feel like at least six is good and probably eight is best. That's kind of where I'm at. Would you Bears be down? Beats Battlestar Galacta. <laughs> eight is best. Would you be down if it went to eight, that first round being on campus, and then it resumes the bowl? Yeah. Like the, the, the bowl game bowl format or- it is now. So you go from eight, eight teams, the first round is on campus for the top four seeds, and then the winners of those games will then go to the CFP bowls. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair for uh, UCF to travel to Alabama or something. (laughs) Go up to Death Valley, South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. No, Uh, I mean, I don't know. I like the I like the aspect of a home and home, though. Um, Or not a home and home. Sorry. That's obviously not going to happen. Yeah, it's a series. It's a a two game series. that would make no sense, but no, I, I do like the idea of a, of a playoff game being held at home. One, because the town that has a good football team would get to benefit so much financially for that, as opposed to uprooting their entire fan base and going to California or Florida or whatever. So here's, I actually really like, if you're going to expand it, whether it's to six or eight, I kind of like that first round being on campus. Um, because there's not an atmosphere like an on-campus football game. And especially if we're going to talk about something that has as much at stake as a playoff game. Oh yeah. Like you're like, as much as everybody talks about college football, just being different, it's that, that makes it different. Give me more of that. Right. Um, I don't think you're going to see any kind of big upsets. So I don't think it really matters to host it at neutral sites. Like that, that four five game, maybe that six, three game, maybe, but those like, those were the realistic expansion in my mind was, it was to move to six. Um, so if either one of those teams wins, great. A seven, two would be kind of fun. I don't think that's going to happen. Eight over one will probably never happen unless you get like just a bunch of sec schools in there and that they just like have their shot that one day, you know, Auburn take down Alabama or whatever. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Or a Florida, Alabama or something like that. That, that would be fun. And I I wonder if they would do the ticket sales a little differently, if they would force the home team to relinquish a little bit, a few more (laughs) visitor seats than they normally would, but maybe not. If it's a true home game, then they shouldn't have to, but that does, that does intrigue me a lot. And just being, being able to see that atmosphere having college game day somewhere and just soaking it in from here in my house in Lubbock, Texas just sounds like a really fun way to spend a Saturday. So I'd be okay with it. With, with oh, me expansion. too. I, I think, I think I'd be good, cool with that. And that is an incentive to get a higher seed still, you know, you still get that incentive as opposed to, okay, great. So, you know, you're coming down to the end of the year and, Whatever. If I slip in, if we slip in the polls, we'll go, we'll drop from four to five. We're still in the playoff. It's like, no, if you drop from four to five, you're no longer hosting. You're traveling, my friend. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to Clemson or whatever it's going to be. Like, oh, yeah. Maybe I don't want to play in the, I don't want to go to the horseshoe or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't want to go to Ohio State. So we're, we're in agreement then. 
yeah, y- yes to expansion and yes to the, that like that opening round being on campus. Yes, I'm. I'm. I would rather have eight teams than six because I want everyone to play. I don't want any buy week buy games. So, would there be any kind of um, considerations for weather then? Like, okay, so Ohio State makes it. Where we're talking about hosting a game in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> January. That's true. Or mid-December. Like, I, I don't know when you'd get it in. Well, uh, the kids are out of school, so. Right, but it it's like. If it a lot one day, maybe <laughs> it won't the next day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There might be slightly more flex. I think that's more flexible than having a bowl game in Minnesota. Sure. Or something like that, you know, or a, I think that's a little bit more flexible than playing at Yankee Stadium. Because then you've got two teams showing up from across the country and then they show up and they can't make it at least the other way. Like, well, just one team showed up and then they're willing to stick around, see if they can play tomorrow. But then TV, uh, that's a great point. I don't know. But that's this, that's kind of just the risky play with Big Ten games and stuff in starting mid-November. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I outside of like Penn State, Ohio State, there's not really other playoff contending teams that have outdoor stadiums that you'd be concerned with. How dare you dismiss Michigan Wolverines? They've been so bad. <laughs> This is the year though. I can't wait for the that like seventh year in a row. Yeah. <laughs> this is this the year. Is, I can't wait for that article to come out. And oh, let's see, we're due what? Late July, you think? Or early August. That article's gonna come out. It's gotta be the same time that uh Texas football is published. So <laughs> it'll be around at that time. Yeah. Um so Sam Khan, who's now with the athletic has a little hope for Red Raider fans. Shocking. And that he thinks Texas Tech finishes in the top half of the Big 12 this year. Your well, reaction, goes, Michael. That goes against what Vegas thinks, which came out today. Oh, it was Vegas. so bad. Well, Vegas has Tech as a 50 to 1 odd. To win the conference, though. Right, to win the conference, but that, but that is the... That is tied for eighth with the worst odds. Baylor also had 50 to one. And then what was Kansas? I, for, I forget what Kansas was. It was like 150 to one, but we were the, we were part of the bottom three. Hashtag blessed. Um, only, only where to, only way to go. Up. Only, only where to go, but up. Only way yeah. to go, Brent. Sorry. Only way to go is up. So these odds are wild. Oklahoma five to seven. Yeah. Why? Let me know if I'm Why would that you right. put money on that and just, be, just because you're a Sooner fan and you, yeah. Texas 11 to four. Like, what does that even mean? Four times out of 11. I don't, I don't even, I don't you even have to, get. you have to bet $11 to win four, win four. Iowa state seven to two is the third best odds. Oklahoma state 10 to one TCU 14 to one. I don't get that one or West Virginia here at 22 to one. Kansas State 28 1, Baylor and Texas Tech 50 to 1, and then you're right, Kansas 150 to 1. 
E. Well, I mean, hopefully that's that's true. That Kansas is a hundred tech would tech would finish in the top half, and then to be great. But I'm I'm not quite sure I'm there yet. I mean, there's been some arguments made that the team's getting older, which always seems to be good news. People tell me, and then um, you know that Shuck is is kind of the real deal. Seems like he might be the the starter. It's too early to tell. But this last part, this last part that we had in our notes is what hurts a little bit. Yeah. So Texas Tech is, um, we talked about getting older. So, so the opposite is also happening. Is that you're not getting any younger. There are side effects to that. Yes. Go ahead. Um, Texas Tech as of May 11th, 2021 is the only power five is it power five? Yes. Yeah. Only power five team in the country without a commit in the current recruiting cycle. So yeah, you have so no 2022 commits. You have nine months to finish out this class and you've got zero. Whereas usually blank, blank board, you've got four or five at this point and you're counting on some of those summer camps to get more evaluations in and get a bunch of offers out. Yeah, you've got zero right now. I, I'm sure it has a lot to do with the the warming of the Matt Wells seat. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the only coach on the hot seat this year because you got a couple other new coaches um, or early enough that they're still kind of, they have that grace period. Whereas like Matt Wells, you're like, you kind of burn through some of that equity when you send out the field goal team on second down. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just that, but he's, He's, he's done the, um, you know, kind of a mini Herman route and fired one of his top coordinators to try to switch things up. And then how'd that work out for Herman after he fired everyone on his team, but him and came back the next year. I mean, they weren't bad last year. No, they just but weren't good enough. he still got, he still got fired. So, okay. When I was reading off the, the odds though, and I was going through those teams and thinking back like to the games we played last year and just my. Uh, my springtime optimism for Texas Tech. I was like, I don't know which of those games I'd chalk up as a loss. Like when you talk about the, especially the, the games you lost last year um, or the, the games you were close in like Kansas, Baylor, Kansas state, mm-hmm. Oklahoma state. I mean, I, I think you've got a good shot at all those teams. Um, and because it felt like some of those games you had some fluky things happen that went against you or you were just a play or two away. Oh my goodness. This is just, so I'm not, I'm not saying this is the repeat of every conversation we've had. (laughs) I'm not pulling a Kyle Jacobson and saying that we're going to win 10 games. (laughs) Going to go ahead and put that out there for everybody here because this is something he's definitely said. Um, but I don't think finishing top half is out of the question. When you look at like around the the conference and be like, well, what do they have? What like what do they have that scares you or that concerns you? Oklahoma, um, Texas, Iowa State. The rest, I think you're like, we got them, or we have a good shot at them. Well, even Texas is kind of a question mark this year with Sark's first year. Yeah. So they, they may take they may have a little bit of time to get rolling. Um Kansas State, I'm I'm kind of more worried about them this year than last year. 
because they've had Kleeman. more time to get rolling. Yeah, with with Kleeman, Kleinman, and and get get stuff going. Um, Are you worried about Neil, TCU or Neil Brown, no. West Virginia? Is that where you're going for, next? For once, I'm not worried about TCU. Uh, I am worried about West Virginia a little bit because I think Brown. This is be what his third year, but he's not on the hot seat, is he? No. And why is that? <laughs> it's still early, and he, he. I think he got some grace when like the entire defense left after Holgerson did. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Anyways. So I, I, I'm not as down. I'm not and there yet. I'm not there to talk wins and losses yet because I, I no, am. That's way too soon for that. And here I am. Well, but. not just that, but I am way too pessimistic right now. And I don't think anybody would want to hear me rationalize <laughs> this horrible number I'd come up with. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're going to win four games this year or whatever. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Good old four. That's right. just kind of what I've been going with the last two or three years. Let's wrap up with what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So biggest thing on the little league front, because I know everybody cares. Everybody <laughs> cares about how we're dying to know the Lubbock Cooper little league coach bitch Dodgers have been doing. We are on a hot streak, man. Well, we're on a win streak. We won three straight. We are seven and four with two games to go. The biggest thing though, Michael, hear me out. Listen to yeah. this. We are tied for fourth in our division. Which is like, okay, big whoop. The top four teams are eligible to play in the city tournament. Now we well, have... How does that work with a t- tie for fourth? Well, so we, we still have two games left. So the tie okay, could okay. be resolved. It's currently tied. Um, we have two games left. One against the absolute bottom team in our division, the Blue Jays. We play them on Saturday. And then we play a team that we're tied with, uh, the Red Sox. Mm. Um, the, so there are four teams currently tied for fourth. The Marlins, who we lost to in a close game a few weeks into the season. And there's us. The Mets, we played this past week. We beat them. And the Red Sox, who we play last. Now, we hold the tiebreaker over the Mets, obviously, because we've already played them. Uh, the Marlins hold the whole tiebreaker against us and whoever wins the, obviously the Dodgers Red Sox game will have that tiebreaker. Now the rules are a team can send four, a league can send four teams to the tournament, which says if team number three says, no, we don't want to play. Then that option goes to teams four and five. Or if team four doesn't want to play, it goes down to team five, whatever it could be. So we got together tonight, our little coaches group. We're like, Hey, we've got some work to do for sure to finish out the season. If one, we finish in fourth place, we're better. I don't think we can finish better than fourth, but if we finish fourth place or if the option to play in a city tournament falls to us at five or wherever it is, do we want to take it? And we're all like, yep, we do. Oh, that's cool. So, We've decided if we get that opportunity, we will play in the city tournament. We got two games to go though. So what a cool turnaround. Yeah. Well, like I said, the, the start of the season was, was rough with the schedule. We had, you know, the two toughest teams back to back. Um, 
And then we just, we just had to keep building. Like we played the pirates and the Yankees. Like we got two back-to-back wins from there. Then we played the Marlins beat the Braves and the Rangers. We lost to the Reds who are now the number one team in our division. Um, beat the Royals. We beat the Mets. We beat the Astros, the Astros. Let me tell you about this game. This was on Saturday, this past weekend, really quickly before we wrap this up 1030. So it's not like an early morning game, but it's a morning game. It's a, it's been our earliest game of this season. Mm-hmm. Kids showed up and had no interest, no interest in playing this game. I was like, what is happening? The Astros are second to last in our division. So there's like everybody Astros, Blue Jays, and we, we have them back to back, which is kind of fun. Um, but like the first inning we score four runs is like, okay, I kind of feel like we we could have scored more because they were like, I don't know. They, the, the, the bats weren't like, we weren't getting good contact. So I was like, well, we left some runs out there and then we gave up. Um, no, sorry. We scored three runs in the first, we gave up four runs in the bottom of the first. And it didn't take long for us to be like, what is happening? Cause this team is not very good. They don't like, they may have scored four runs once all season and we gave up four runs in an inning. And like our players were like, body da, we're just going to walk over, pick up this ball, lazily throw it over. It's like, what's happening and they weren't like their shortstop who's really really good would pick up the ball and there's a runner going to second he's like a foot away from the bag we're all like William step on the bag and he fires it to first not only does he fire it to first it's way offline it's like oh my gosh oh sure of course <laughs> we could have had the lead runner out at second and he doesn't do that and anyways um and this kid's great. He's, he's been invited to go try out for one of the all-star game or all-star teams. Um, anyways, we tie it in the second. So it's four, four. They take, they score one run in the bottom of the second, but at that point we've gotten through our entire lineup. We're, we're turning it back over to the top. We're getting close. We score three runs in the top of the third. We're like, okay, we got a three run lead. We give up another four runs in the bottom of the fourth or the bottom of the third. I was like, Oh my gosh, we just gave this game away. Because we were down by two. We had two minutes left on the timer to start a new inning. It was like, we need an out. Otherwise, this game's going to end without us getting a chance. We finally got the outs. We had two minutes left. It was like, okay, here we go. The problem was <laughs> to start our last inning at bat, we were looking at batters um, 9, 10, and 11. In our lineup. Now, 11 technically was our number one batter. He showed up late, so we had to drop him to the, the end. So it was like, whew. we're technically turning over a lineup, but if it goes how I think it'll go, we'll be at two outs before we get to the top of our lineup and we need three runs. The batters nine and 10 get on base. I was like, holy crap, here we go. <laughs> oh, we man. scored seven in the top of the fourth inning Whew. to take a 14 to nine lead. And then we did not let them score in the bottom of the fourth. Oh, that's huge. So I know. Cause that was one of the things we'd worked on. It was like, or we, we, we had focused on like, we give up a lot of runs late in game. So this was, this was opposite. We gave a lot of runs early uh, and then gave up zero at the end. They just weren't awake yet. That's all it was. Well, like, yeah, their energy got better each inning, but I was like, let's, let's start better. Let's not have a team that, woefully outmatched. Let me just say that. 
their breakfast apple Not. pouch hadn't kicked in yet or whatever. They, they, they'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, two games left Saturday, the next Saturday. Hopefully we're in a good enough position to be able to go to the city tournament. Not that I think we're going to win anything or winning tournaments, but it's still fun to play. This group's fun to be oh, around. Yeah. And it's such a cool thing for them to get to do. Because this is our third year playing little league baseball. This would be the first time that we would be even eligible to do it. Like our, my first year, zero wins. You all remember that mm-hmm. little cubs, my cubs hat I'm wearing today. Uh, zero wins last year. We were four and seven, four, seven and one with the tigers, but you have to have a winning record too. So yes, we won four games with our little five kid team, which was crazy that we won four games with five kids. Um, better than some of the teams in our coach pitch division. Now it's like we played with five kids last year and we still won four games. That's wild. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it would be exciting to be able to go play in a tournament. Well, I hope I, I wish you guys the best and that Gotta take care uh, of business one game at a time. Yes. TCB one game at a time. I, the things I learned, I alluded to in the opening this weekend. I've had some, I've had some cooking woes recently and one of which was last weekend where I made a well done steak by my own accord. I don't, I can't even, there's no one to blame but me. And then it's like the the, Chris Stapleton song. Yeah. No one to blame but me. But then the, the weekend before that, or a few weeks ago, I made a brisket that was just okay. Um, and then this last weekend for Mother's Day, I thought, okay, I'm going to have mom over. I'm going to cook for, for Allison. We'll have us some ribs. There's a, Michael Simon has a, a, a method that he does them on the charcoal <laughs> grill. So it only takes three hours. Excuse me. And then he's got a ranch rub that he uses on it, which we've, I've done once before. It was great. And I just thought, well, this is how I'm going to do them from now on. Those didn't even turn out very well. So I'm still unsure exactly what I did. They were kind of chewy. Um, they didn't have a lot of flavor. I don't know how they didn't have flavor, but it just seemed like they were kind of bland. Blew my mind. And then on top of that, I made this great Brussels sprout recipe that Brian told us about. It's crispy Asian Brussels sprouts. On this, The site is kind of funny. I'm sure a lot of y'all visit bakermama.com. <laughs> <laughs> or the baker anyway. So I'm sure everyone is already familiar with this because of all the baking mamas who listen to our podcast, but they, he shared this recipe. It's, it was a fantastic recipe. It was a good method to, you know, grill the, the Brussels sprouts. I just had them in a pan tossed in oil and salt basically. And then the, the tri- the, the, crispy Asian part comes in where you have uh, a sauce that you render on the, on the stove with maple syrup, soy sauce, minced garlic, uh, salt, pepper, lemon juice, and hot sauce. Now it asks for sriracha, but I don't have sriracha because they only sell it in like three gallon jugs and I refuse to buy it until they can sell it in something a little bit smaller that I might use, you know, within a year as opposed to my 35th wedding anniversary. But I use Frank's red hot anyway. Mm, good stuff. The, the Brussels sprouts, I cooked them perfectly. 
those turned out perfectly. But then the, on the directions, it does say, you know, use a little bit of sauce at first. And, you know, because you don't want to overpower the Brussels sprouts and you don't, you want them to stay a little crispy. And I thought, well, this isn't that much sauce. <laughs> and I used all of the sauce. And those Brussels sprouts were so salty mm. and covered in sauce. I mean, it was a great sauce. It was just me. It was totally me. I I did not follow the directions. Um, you know, I may have had one or one too many ranch waters by then. I'm not <laughs> sure. I was like, yeah, just dump it all in. It'll be fine. And then it was just almost inedible because it was it, it's a very it's a very strong sauce. You don't need a lot. But I was I redeemed myself tonight. I cooked one of those Kansas City New York strips. It was a perfect medium rare. There was it was wall to wall medium rare. And that was even directly over the coals. I didn't do Ooh, like that's... any indirect stuff. So I I feel like I'm kind of getting that was a win. I needed a win, man. I was kinda like I was kinda like your team. I hadn't had a win in a while. And now I've got a win and I, I think I might be able to um to talk myself into cooking again and not be bad at it. That's what I learned. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting closer to having these plants ready to go. Um, we're, I'm still, I, I'm walking back my idea of actually planting them in the ground, if not just having big pots or trying to get some kind of temporary greenhouse thing set up. Mm-hmm. Um, cause actually a couple plants you probably dig up that sweet grass. Oh, it's not that it's just all the work of like, Oh, the work of digging up that sweet grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like I said, we're, we probably got a few plants that are outgrowing their medium to medium, large pots that we've got them in now ready to go into the ground. Got some squash and, uh, cucumber plants that are getting pretty big the peppers are starting to take off again, which was scary part. Cause they were the ones I was most excited about. And they're, they've been the slowest, but they're the, the leaf pattern that I was told to look out for is starting to happen. Cause you get the one leaf up and then you get the two and then the stems get a little thicker. It's like, yeah, okay, we're, we're, we're rocking and rolling. And I've got plenty of good jalapenos, Hungarian wax peppers, habaneros and cayenne plants coming up and growing. So I'm excited about oh. all those. Those are all, I've seen those do well in pots though. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I really want to go through all the effort of, of creating this little flower bed. If I can just roll these out into pots. Um, so it's decision making time. I know you've got to, you've got to, <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a, you got to poop or get off the pot thing. No. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to plant or keep in the pot. Is that it? <laughs> Is that what you got to do? I don't know. Something like that. I'll work it out. I'll work it out on my stand-up set this weekend. Yeah. So working on getting that all figured out. Um, hopefully can have some some good hot sauce. Like Louisiana hot Louisiana hot sauce style hot sauce this summer. But Yes, please. We'll see how that goes. Um, that'll do it for us in 23 Personal Podcast. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. 
Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.